In 2019, Lou Costa of Iron Mill partnered with Manlyhood on a blog campaign entitled Rise Up. We wrote weekly blog posts exploring manhood and calling men to step into more. We shot a handful of videos to go along with our posts, but we never used them. In June of 2021, Lou passed away unexpectedly. It was a shock to not only his biological family, but to his family that he built around him as well. After he died, I dug out the unused footage that we shot. It was raw, powerful, and I think it deserves to be a part of Lou's legacy. Someday, Lou's sons are going to Google his name, and I want them to be able to see his face, to hear his voice, and to see into his mind and his heart. These episodes are dedicated to my friend, Louis James Costa. Hey guys, welcome back to Rise Up. We are glad you guys are with us. Uh, Josh Hatcher from Manlyhood.com, Lou Costa from Iron Mill, Iron Mill, and uh, the world from the world from Bradford. Which, uh, if you guys are following the stuff that we're doing, you've probably read uh, Blues uh, Blue Blues Clues. Blues Clues. Yeah, you've probably read Blues Clues. <laughs> <laughs> you probably probably. Blues <laughs> Clues. I think I want to, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally putting outtakes at the end of this thing because it's hilarious. It's a great outtake right there. That's, you use that for the outtake. Cut! <laughs> no, so anyway, if you've been following along, uh, you've probably seen Lou, uh, Lou's article, Bradford Badfish, where he uh, references some sublime and talks about his story. And, uh, you know, I think it's a cool place to start. Lou. Uh, I'm not going to have you rehash it all because people can read the whole thing, but why don't you give me a, a quick overview? You grew up middle of nowhere, right? Yeah, I guess um, I don't want to go the motivation things for it. I don't want to really... Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Ask me that question again. Okay. So, Lou, uh, Bradford Badfish is your blog post that we posted uh, this week. Tell me... Uh, What's behind this story of yours? Where's this coming from? Yeah, uh, I started writing that about three or four years ago when uh, the heroin epidemic had come through Bradford and not just Bradford, because a lot of people complain. Uh, if you're not from Bradford, that's fine, because Bradford's like every uh, industrial mid-sized town and everywhere, the Belt, the Rust Belt, and Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio. We all have these towns that depended on uh, industry and manufacturing. And those when, that, when those things started to change, the culture changed a little bit in this generation, and uh, heroin attacked a lot of these, uh, which has gotten better now. So in the four years that, since that, I started that article, and I've been writing it sometimes, and if anybody has written, sometimes things take a while to come around. But over that course of four years, Badfish was written. It's kind of an ode to Bradford and my love for it, because uh, I love this town. I was grown here, I was born here, and I've seen the community take on kind of a different life form of its own. And I saw 
a lot of uh, apathy towards the youth. And that was the motivation for that, me growing up as a Bradford Badfish, which was a reference to Sublime, and uh, if you read the article, uh, music that I, you know, have loved. But uh, so yeah, so Bradford Badfish uh, to me was coined as a term of kids that were born of these small Rust Belt towns that uh, were kind of left behind to a degree, without fathers, without, I mean, this community raised me well, but I feel like we're not doing that now, you know? Right. So I wasn't left behind. I was, the community raised me because I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a nuclear family and I wasn't, I didn't have the thing that, uh, you know, uh, the father figure, the, you know, the, the right family signature that you would need, but the community raised me and now those things are kind of, I think, I don't think they're gone, but they're being left behind. It's a lot harder for a, a coach or a teacher to have a good influence on somebody when he goes home and the influence at home is not as good. And I think, whereas before, like even though, you know, things might not have been perfect back then, there was at least a, a there was the, the, uh, the benchmark was a little higher. Well, I don't <laughs> think- it's just gradually fallen down since then, I think. Well, I think that's everywhere, right? It's yeah. not, it's yeah. not just in Bradford. Well, yeah, it's, exactly. not, it's not dog in Bradford out. In fact, if you read the article, it, uh, it, it's, it's uplifting. It's, it's a thing, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's a, it's a point of pride that I have and something that's a call to arms and action. Um, because people are, are despondent, you know, mm -hmm. I, and I think a lot of these kids, it's not that we're, it's not that they're growing up bad kids and it's not that, uh, the youth is, uh, uh, uh um, left behind. It's not. It's not that they're. It's not that they're bad kids. It's that we have a responsibility as this generation to pick them up, and that's uh, was a big part. Something for me that meant a lot to get out there and put out there the way I write things. Yeah, definitely <laughs> in your face, which is I don't care. No, I love it. <laughs> I I, uh, I really related with the article because I grew up in you know in Rollett, PA, which is even smaller, a lot more like where you, like you were. You actually lived in Rue, which is <laughs> kind of like the suburbs of. Rural. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, can't, yeah. I can't say I grew up in Rue. Not because I'm ashamed. I'm right. very proud. Anybody that sure, knows sure. I'm a Rueite to my heart. Sure. The hill people. But, the hill uh, people, right. You know, when you say Bradford in the general population, no one understands. When you say, or when you say Rue from the general population, no one understands. But Bradford, where I literally grew up running the streets, I, I grew up downtown in sure, Bradford. Sure. You know, so, uh, you know, being a, yeah, like you said, a, a suburb of rural is what <laughs> I actually grew up it's, with. It's, you know, it's so. the middle of nowhere. And I, and I don't, I think a lot of people who, now, you know what, to be fair, people who grew up in, like, New York City or Harlem or, you know, or Los Angeles, they probably have rough stories, too. So I think it's, there's definitely, wherever you're at, wherever you grew up, wherever you're from, there's this sense of pride that kind of rises up when you think about your hometown, even though it's broken and even though it's messed up. Well, yeah, and, and the, the, the real important thing to me is I don't think it was back then. I feel, I feel like when I, when I grew up, it was me that was broken. <laughs> you know, like, I, okay. Thank God yeah. the town wasn't, you know, but it's different now, you know, yeah. because there's a lot. Listen, there's blight. We have uh, the, the heroin addiction epidemic. Uh, meth houses are getting busted. It's not just here. Because I'm just not going to. Uh, piling on Bradford is not something I, I want to do. Right. It's, it's, we're talking about a whole generation of well, we, towns and, and cities right. and things and, like and, that. And all of our towns have problems. And I think that. We talked about, uh, in our video that we, when we did our launch video talking about this, we talked about how men have kind of like gotten lazy and pulled back instead of taking an active role. And I think that honestly, like we're meant to lead in our families. We're meant to lead in our workplaces. We're meant to lead in our communities. And I think that what's happening is we've stopped leading. We don't know anything about leadership or what it means. And then so that doesn't mean you have to go in and be the boss. That's not what leadership means. Leadership means service. Leadership by example. And responsibility. Discipline. So so when I say Work ethic. when I say you need to lead, I'm saying 
there's a neighbor kid whose dad is always working and never home. And he comes home from school and he goes inside and he plays PlayStation until his dad gets home at midnight. If his dad comes home, if he even has a dad. Who's, who's given this kid any, any, uh, any, any guidance? And I think, you know, five minutes at the mailbox or, or handing him some cookies on his way as he's walking in the door can at least open the door. But the problem is nobody wants to take responsibility. It's well, his kid. It's not my problem. Which is why the little leagues are so important. Mm. Youth sports, uh, the community centers. It's not. We're not just trying to uh, bust drug houses. Theater, music, yes, which all we, those yes, things. Music, um, not, and and you know, for me, it was a heavy bag in my garage. <laughs> you know, like even the smallest things can make a giant difference. And uh, uh, when I wrote Badfish, it was it was meant to be a call to arms for the community to step up and say, we're growing a population of addicted, apathetic, lazy. Um, despondent kids, and we expect them to to behave. We expect them to know the rules. They don't know the rules. We, I mean, how are they supposed to know the rules if they're not taught that way? Who's teaching them? Mm-hmm. We know the teach. We know the education system isn't built for teaching. It, it's built for PSA testing. Now we know yeah. that. Well, and even, even when it's built for education, it's built for education, not parenting. Right. You know. And talk about parenting. <laughs> you know, uh, the uh, daycare system now is that didn't exist to the degree it did. That no, when because we were younger. we've got people. Where we have both parents working, and the one the second job isn't making enough to pay for the daycare. Yeah. So why I I don't understand. You know. Well, we've we've taken the onus off of the parent and put it on some system that is bankrupting the, the morality of our kids. I think is that too much to say? No, I, it is. is that, it's, that's too much of reach. Some, I mean, someone tell me, but I, it, I see it happening. So it's, yeah. it is. It is. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, and um, I don't know. I I think that. I guess what our call is, is rise up. Look at the kids around you. Look at the neighborhood around you. You know, if you're walking, as simple as you're walking down the street and somebody threw out a pot bottle and it's on the ground, pick it up. Which, I mean, which even more I love, give a high five to the kid walking down the street. Oh, hey, what's up, Steve? Yeah. (laughs) Josh, what's up, man? Yeah. I like your shoes, dude. You know, like, go play basketball with a kid. Tell Mm -hmm. him, ask him how his day is. Look up away from your phone. You know, don't get me started, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm walking down our community streets and not everybody paying attention to anybody. Yeah. Well, I, I run around the car and I'm like, hey, this used to be social media. Be like, hey, Jan, hey, we, you know, like, we don't have to post your food on social media. You just go by and say, hey, what are you cooking for dinner tonight? You know, and not that you have to do that, but I'm saying that's what people forget. That's what community used to be. I grew up on my bike actually talking to people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I remember a few years ago I went to New York City and we stayed outside the city, rode the commuter train in. And it was the most bizarre thing for a kid that grew up in Rollette to be riding a train in New York City with hundreds of people who don't talk to each other. They ride on the same... We actually started conversations because it was so quiet. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's all these people and nobody's talking. So I'm like, do you ride this bus? you ride this train every day? Oh, yeah, yeah. You usually pick the same car? Do you know all of these other people? Oh, I, I see them. Yeah. They see these people every day. And we have people in the cities who are committing suicide because they feel lonely. They're in the biggest city in the world, and they're surrounded by people, and nobody talks. And the same thing is happening all over now. We're, we're so connected with our phones, and we're so connected with social media, and we're so connected to some famous actress on TV, and we don't know anything about the people across the street. Yeah, we find more self-worth in the way we look on Facebook than we do about watching our kids. 
Yeah, our dog filters, our puppy filters, and... Which, I, I, we make this joke all the time. <laughs> which, dating in your 30s is a trap. But I don't understand, like, the filters on women. Like, women just like looking at themselves like cats. I don't get it. Everyone's like, hey, look at me, I'm a pretty cat. And I'm like, I'm not making fun of women by any means, because think... men have their own thing. But I just don't, I don't understand... Well, not only that, I do understand. I know exactly... That, that's not true. I know exactly why. Because there are a certain amount of engineers that are hired from MIT, from Harvard, from the, th- the places out there to make sure you understand that that's what you're addicted to now. Those right. things actually happen. Right. It because was, you talked about all that addiction, all those drugs. Dude, they've already put electrodes on people's brains and sat there and observed the chemical yeah. reactions and the electro reactions that are happening when they're scrolling and they're getting a like and they're getting comments... And it's the same neurochemicals in the brain that are released when they're doing drugs. And casinos. And casinos. It's a, it's a, there's, a, there's a definite mechanism that's it's, And spending your credit card instead of cash. That's another place where there's the yeah. same, you know. And, and, I, and I'm not judging because, uh, listen, for the longest time, I mean, I, I was the same way. And I remember when I, the first time I said, I want to try this, and I put down my phone, I, could, I had to pick it back up. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I literally was like, oh. yeah. I mean, I was getting to the point. The, I think the average is 175 times a day people are staring at their phones. Yeah. And, what, and what's the cost of that? What's the cost of your attention span 175 times a day being taken off whatever you're doing? I, I'm going to tell you right now, I do it way too much. Loneliness, depression. I sadness. do it way too much. It yeah. does, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it does affect you. And so, like I said, I want to try to use it to, to reach out to people. Chances are good some of you guys are watching this on a phone right now. We're watching this on social media. Great. Then let's take it back <laughs> and rise up and let's use it for good. But let's also shut it off. And what is it? What's the word they use uh, to describe when a husband and wife are laying in bed next to each other, and they're they're just scrolling mindlessly through Facebook? They call it fubbing. What? Fubbing. What's it called? Fubbing. F u b b i n g. I don't know what it means. It's probably dirty, but it just means that they're spending time on their phone next to each other instead of actually talking to each other. <clears throat> what are their kids doing? Their kids are doing it in the other room. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, man. Like we used to watch television shows together. Yeah. Because when you uh, we had um, like uh, Hulu and Netflix, and you could put it on one device, which meant we would all sit down and we had shows that we would watch together. Well, now you got it on all the devices, and so now the whole family has just kind of started to have their own tastes develop. Used to be we all liked the same show. <laughs> now I sit there, and my wife is watching the Great British Baking Show, and I'm like, what is this crap? <laughs> and then I start watching, uh, you know, Something on, uh, you know, like a sci-fi kind of show, you know, or, you know, start watching Twin Peaks, you know, something like mystery or action. And she's like, what is this? And, and well, the whole family now has started to splinter in different directions. And that's not. Well, and the dark art of that, too, is uh, something I referenced as, you know, uh, when Playboy went out of business and Playboy. Uh, this was three or four years ago when I wrote it. I forget. Now the guy's the uh, editor of Playboy. But he said when. Uh, when they finally decided to shut, they took all nudity out of Playboy, uh, he referenced, his, his quote was, when any uh, sex act is available at the click of one, at the, at the availability of one click, everything is so, everything is passe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing matters. And so if you're, everybody's in their separate rooms watching the screens, what's your 11-year-old doing? What are they, what's, you know, what's the dad doing? What's, every, I think, I'm not saying everyone's addicted to porn, but I'm saying it's, it's a giant, it's a giant problem now. And, uh, for what that does to a generation of sexuality, you know, it, it does it, because it. Uh, we could talk about this all day, right? Um, and I know I've been in that. Sh- I've been in that spot. You know, I almost lost my marriage a couple of times because I was involved in that, and it took me a wrong direction. And I'm and I'm not saying this as a Christian who has preconceived notions. I'm just saying it kills your sex drive. It 
Heck, it exploits women. And you know what else? It's never satisfied. That's the thing. So I just shared an article the other day uh, about the number of children being sold into sexual slavery. People buying uh, child prostitutes, and the numbers are ridiculous. I'm not saying that every guy that looks at porn is going to do that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, when we make it available like that, we desensitize ourselves, and we now treat sexuality instead of as something special that's meant to be shared in a certain context. It's just, you know, it's like taking a crap. It's just a being, biological function. Being marketers, I understand that we are, and when you're a marketer and you're an advertising to the mass public, it's a persuasion of a mass public. What are the, when from, from just our little town of Bradford to Olean, what is every other billboard? Addiction, heroin, HIV, Sex slavery. There's literally warnings now. Call this if you see that going on. Yeah. Oh, and then there's the... the what the hell? I mean, what the hell? <laughs> then there's the, the sex shop that's trying to sell you the sex toys. Uh, right. Remember saying, that, but... <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, so yeah. somebody's spending $800 a month, that must mean it's a friggin' problem. Yeah, 800 bucks a month to say, to say uh, if you see someone that's in sexual slavery, stop it. Really? That must mean it's a big problem. It's, it's frightening. It is, it's, I mean, it's not just... It's not sounding the alarm, but I guess that's kind of what... When we wanted to write this, and we started, and I said, listen, I want to write some real things and talk about some real things. If that's too much the stomach for you, that you can't handle the idea of sex slavery or sex addiction, sex addiction, which is hiring Christians, why is that? Because there's shame, man. It's right. Because so nobody will talk about it. Nobody will say, I am struggling with porn. <laughs> nobody wants to say that, because if they say that, then, oh, you're not holy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you don't get help. Shame is a killer, dude. Like, like I'm not saying you shouldn't regret things that you do wrong. And, and listen, shame actually has a place. You know what I mean? Like, like there are people that aren't ashamed of things, and they should be ashamed of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe shame <laughs> would keep you from doing it. But, but shame can also keep you in this spot. And it's the same with alcohol. It's the same with drugs. It's the same with violence. You know, like, like nobody's ever going to tell you, dude, I'm beating my wife. Nobody's ever going to tell you that because they don't want you to know that. Because if somebody tells me that, I'm going to break his nose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, don't do that. Shame and, shame and anger kind of go hand in hand. They, well, yeah, it, does, <laughs> it, it just of... builds this cycle and then you stay in it. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think that as men, we have to be able to rise above that. We have to rise up. <laughs> <laughs> iron sharpens iron. So listen, exactly. we want you to go out, check the articles out. You wrote a fantastic article on Resurrection. Yes. Let's talk about that. Where that, oh where, 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 where the motivation for that come from? Okay, you... so, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of this stuff was actually written around Easter, which, so, you know, I mean, that's what Easter is about. And uh, um, one of the things, as we're talking about Rise Up, the picture that jumps into my head is this idea of a person laying in a grave, rotten, and life coming back into his bones and just standing up and walking out and taking his life back. And... Um, Henry David Thoreau talked about men living lives of quiet desperation, and I see it all around me. I see men who are dead. I know that I, there was a time in my life when I was dead, and I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive. Yeah. That's the concept. Like, let's do it. Like, let's stop being dead. Well, and I think that's... And it's, it's not just stop being dead. I mean, it's exactly that for a lot of people, stopping that. But it's finding the motivation. It's finding the, the pattern and the thought process, the want, and the people to share that with. It is a little bit like Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, like you said, porn addiction. I'm kind of a booze hound. <laughs> you know, like, and that's okay, you know. But so you go to an alcohol, you go to an AA meeting and you sit there with somebody and you're like, the reason, the fact that we're sharing this together is a bond. And that's a, that's a momentum. And it is a rise fist up out of the grave. Yeah. You know, like now I have some, now I have some momentum. Now I have a, 
uh, an idea that I'm not just in this alone. And I feel like, doesn't, isn't that just how it's suffered? No matter what it is, no matter what we all go through as men, and this isn't, this isn't just therapy hour where we get to share our, our deepest, darkest secrets. It's literally, I want to make sure that this message is put down where you get something out of it and change and rise up. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, exactly. See, I'm not doing this for my health. <laughs> you know, like, I want you guys to seriously sit there and feel something inside of you and say, you know what, man? I'm going to go out there and, and play with old Billy in the basketball court. I don't mean play with Billy the wrong way. I mean play with them basketball Shit's people. Supposed- Stop yeah. touching kids, man. Like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, like, you good God. Death, yeah. death and destruction. Dude, like... All around us, man. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's I'm making us. billboards for it. It's a problem. Heroin addiction. I mean, sex addiction. The casinos. You got a gambling problem? How many of those have? It's right next to the casino. Those gambling those gambling signs are 10 minutes from the casino. I know. And, I, and that's the thing. Like, like, And we're not here to be prudes. And we're not here to tell you what you should and shouldn't do or say, oh, you're not the what the church lady. You know, you're old enough. You should know the church lady, right? Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Aren't you special? <laughs> we're not here to do that. We're not saying that. What we're saying is, look, like we've abandoned any sense of common morality in our culture, and we've got to do something about it. I think we need to, we need to rise up and say, what you're doing, brother, isn't right. So straighten up. The best friend you can be to somebody, and I have a lot of strained relationships with people because I feel like when I'm a good friend, it's because I say something that's hard to say. And if you are my friend, you know that to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, Definitely. And it's not because I'm righteous. Anybody that is my good friend knows I can say the same thing back to me. Right, and people have said them to us and said, dude, you're wrong. And yeah. that's been the... That's one of the themes, that actually, through this whole 12 weeks is the brotherhood. You, you cannot do this alone. So if you want to rise up out of the grave, look, here's the hand. Grab the hand. We will help pull you out. And I'm not saying Lou and I. I'm saying all of us. Like T- Together. You, you're not alone. You don't have to be alone. So stop living in the shame thinking nobody wants to touch me. Dude, if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, or you're living a life, even if you're not doing something you should be doing, you're sitting on the couch doing nothing, let's rise up together. Let's do it. You can't say anything else about it? I think that's it, man. We just want to rise up! (laughs) (laughs) Dude, dude, a lot of that's really good. I think it really is. Some of it definitely has.